Come on, you sissy, be a man. Don't cry. Grow some muscle, you puny wimp. Real men are ripped. Kick his ass. What? You ate a salad? Fucking rabbit food. Real men eat meat, and only meat, cooked over a fire on a stick. You want that woman? Fucking fucker. What? She said no? So what? Inside, every no is a yes waiting to come out. You just gotta get it out of her by getting it in her. Know what I mean? We all know what toxic masculinity is. Or do we? Why is it suddenly a thing the media is obsessed with? And is it really a new phenomenon at all? Where does it come from? Is it simply an inherent aspect of being a male? How is it taught? How is it reinforced? How is it represented in the stories we read and watch? How do we diffuse it? What is the antidote? Join me and my intrepid co-host, Jen Zuko, as well as some other guests, as we embark on another semi-drunken exploration of the intersection of literature and society as we discuss problematic, toxic masculinity tropes. So hey, here we hi. are. Nice We're to on... see you. <laughs> How's Hello. it going? Um, That's great. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, problematic, toxic ma masculinity trope number four. And I do have some questions about um, the tail of the nerd in the neck beard. Uh, but the I, I'm as I was reading through the notes again, I realized that when you def in your in note number three, where you now I guess just for the the sake of the crowd who's going to okay. be listening. Oh yes, we should explain. So From tropes numbers no, one through three. One through three had completed essays to start and off. Published, and, and also published. published so that, so that you all can <laughs> read and follow along. From four to seven, we're working off of outlines and notes that Jen has made because those essays have not yes. been written. So this will be kind of a, a, a chance for us to, to flesh out these tropes. Yeah, and, I'm excited and, about this. And kind of pre-discuss any, any of the potential holes that we may or may not have found in the previous ones. Yeah, I'm excited about this. It's going to give me a good uh, solid base to write the articles on instead of having the articles already. It'll, this will be really good. It'll give me some good ideas. Um, from point number three, where your definition of the trope, I, I, my first note was a giant question mark. Okay. Because... I, I mean, I can put it pithily if you would like. Oh, I can probably put it more pithily than my notes are. So, well, I have it, since you usually like me to try and define it, and you tell me what to... Okay. <laughs> you tell me what you think it is, and so, then I'll tell you what I actually so mean So, riffing to off of your definition, <laughs> this is the tale of the nerd in the neckbeard. is the tale of a weak sub-male who... And then that's kind of where it stops, because your definition doesn't give what he does, just that he's a sub-male who's, who's smart and and subservient oh i think i do here let me look at the notes too other so than other than him being you know getting into a dorkable misogyny and and all this stuff like this i mean so what i and then but the thing is that i'm assuming that since the primary touchstone of this is the 1984 movie revenge of the nerds and then our most recent um epic series of badness the uh big bang theory that right. is basically this is the tale of a weak sub male who through subterfuge and 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 intelligence gets the girl uh sometimes. sometimes so it says so soft weak super smart socially inept subservient to men and women alike yep um they're the opposite and this is the the main thing um it's about the intelligence and the cultivation of non traditionally non-masculine pursuits right um and there's so they're opposite of the of the hegemonic masculine so they're the, they're portrayed as sort of the opposite of like say the jock you have jock versus nerd right so you have the nerds that are all about like computer programming and D D and all the all the kind of geeky stuff and then you have the neckbeard who he is he's not your classic skinny pocket protector guy who's um sort of portrayed as a little bit more effeminate the neckbeard is more the overweight, you know, the, the computer gamer from South Park 
who like lives, right. lives at his mom's basement basically. Right, right. So that's that's just another another version. It's the nerd right. and the neckbeard. They're both they're both considered sub male, meaning that they don't live up to the impossible hegemonic masculine ideal. Right. They're portrayed as the opposite. And if if they do get the girl, which they often don't, but if they do, it's by tricks, because they can't like like the stereotypical masculine ideal. They can't actually get sex. The, right. the normal masculine way they have to do it by via trickery or the bed switching we were just talking about right so that's the main thing and what will happen with the i i was gonna i was kind of considering wondering whether that like a pop culture detective he talks about the adorable misogyny as being a trope i i was thinking maybe it's a subtrope of this but i don't think it is actually i think what it is is it's a symptom of the nerd and the neckbeard the adorable misogyny is just something that happens with this with this trope character. This trope character is very mm-hmm. anti-feminine. It's it's very afraid of being anything close to feminine because it, they are feminized because they're right. sort of a sub male. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, when I first watched that video, I thought, oh, that's Jen's trope. I mean, yeah. I think I think the essay you would have had to you would have to have gotten a little bit more into that into that arena because that adorable misogyny um thing that kind of hits all the high points of of yeah kind of what this trope is um that, and that the nerds bully themselves they bully each other even more severely than they themselves have been bullied right so they have this kind of like constant one-upmanship mm-hmm. and they they down they sort of denigrate any any of their fellow sub males that are less masculine than they are. Right. So they it's also, this kind of also, cycle of bullying. They also denigrate them for their intelligence, which they're supposed to, which also makes them sub male, but then they right. also value that. And so they have to smash each other around because of that. Right. That's like what power is within the nerd and the neckbeard, but it's not considered a hegemonic masculine ideal. Like right. the big dumb meathead is still considered this sort of impossible ideal. So, mm-hmm. and so they'll bully each other even worse than they themselves have been bullied. So, especially if you look at that, at the big bang theory show, you'll see them, they, they treat each other like shit. Yeah. And they treat the women in their lives like even more shit because the women are on an even lower sort of <laughs> position in that hierarchy than right. they are even. Um, and the, the pop culture detective videos talk about Raj as being the most effeminate of the four main characters and therefore the most the most sort of bullied within the group. I actually never watched The Big Bang Theory. I watched it a little bit at the very beginning and I just immediately wasn't really super into it. How did it stay but, on as long as it did? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think it might have something to do with Schadenfreude. Like we just like seeing all of these like sub sub males give each other shit. But wasn't the show sort of love of of, the, of seeing everyone get punished, and everyone punishing each other? I don't know. I, who I was, have who no was the idea. fan base for the show? I don't. Well, I don't know. That's the thing. Like the whole thing was supposed to be like a celebration of the of the nerd character, but the nerds are horrible. Yeah. Like if there's no one that's likable. Nobody's behavior is okay in that show there's dumb blondes and there's the adorable misogynists and that's it have you did you saw do you yes yeah, so you saw like the first season right the first couple seasons i think i kind of like looked at it on and off within the first couple seasons it's been on for like how many seasons is it now at this point i mean it, it's, it's oh, been I think, it's, I think it's done I think it's it is done. done but like how many seasons did it end up being oh and like three out of the four guys end up married so weird. And if it was on two seasons, it was long enough. Only two? No, it's been on for like ten years. No, I know. I'm, but I'm, what I'm saying is oh, two oh, seasons oh. was long enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was long enough for me to see what I needed to see. Um, I thought at I mean, first that's it was not to say I did see a few episodes, but it was like, I just, no, I can't do it. I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, th- that's the thing that makes that show in particular, as an example of the Nerd and the Neckbeard, that makes it makes that show even more insidious. The fact that it's so popular. And like you, I have no idea who the audience must be for that show. 
but the fact that it's it's like supposedly trying to celebrate alternate forms of masculinity right like we have four right. characters one of them of color who are non-traditional male characters and that and you know you'd think that that was that that would be a good thing and you have right. like one of the two dumb blondes in the show is actually not a dumb blonde but she's like a, a neurobiologist right so like you would think that that would be refreshing and great and a celebration of alternate types but mm. instead it just it just descends into this even more damaging stereotype huh it was chuck lorry that did that mm -hmm. and just the homophobia and the misogyny of that show and it's because all of the nerd characters are self-bullying even yep. more severely than they get bullied by anyone who's more of a stereotypical masculine type. Twelve seasons. Twelve seasons. Mm -hmm. Wow. How many episodes per season? Like 20? Mm, probably not that because there are only 279 episodes. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't know if that were like the classic sort of CBS kind of thing. Yeah, so I don't know. Hmm. This is this is why I, this this particular trope is so is such a problem because we're supposed to be like hopefully if you have a character that's a nerd, right? Or if you have a character that's a neckbeard, you can hopefully like be like oh great so this is great this is not you know your sort of hegemonic masculine ideal that was impossible to attain, right? So good we'll have we'll have alternate forms of masculinity we'll have like you know more of a realistic thing and we won't have hyper masculine behaviors all the time right but instead it's like it's not that at all <laughs> well okay so here's the thing with that I have the problem with throwing in the uh, the uh, uh, neck beard on this oh, okay and so ultimately the nerd would be if if um, alternate masculinities were acceptable the nerd would be acceptable would be a good this would be a smart you know yeah intelligence intelligent um sensitive social because they'd be out in the world uh-huh whereas i don't and the think the opposite of the go big or go home right so that right. alternate forms of, of physicality right because, you know, there are a lot of nerds who are, um, in the real world, pro-feminist. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Most of the, actually, all the nerds I know are feminist. But the, the neckbeard, I had to, I, I was, I was always a little concerned. I never really knew what that word meant, and I looked it up. And the neckbeard is kind of irredeemable. Is he kind of more of a bro? Is he like the Gamergate that we just don't don't show in? These these are your these are your denizens. The neckbeard. The way I, after doing a little bit, so I started researching neckbeard that term, and I ended up, you know, learning did you, about did the. You shave neck, did you shave your neck? After no, you? I ended up learning about. <laughs> I ended up learning, and this is this is. I ended up learning about the manosphere. Do you know about the manosphere? Oh, the manosphere. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's yes, the but, but that's the alt right. You know, this is where where you, this is the alt right version of of manhood. So the neckbeard is part of that group. These are these kind of mm -hmm. antisocial, you know, keyboard commandos. What Mark Maron would call the army of unfuckable hate nerds. Ah, uh, right. Mm -hmm. So yes. yeah, that's true. I would I would junk the Gamergate guys. And... This junk the neckbeard off of there because this is not something. They are, they are not. The neckbeard does not present the way the nerd does. Someone who no, would be um, an alternative masculinity who um, is is adorable. You know, right, that's no. that's the that's right. the problem with the with the nerd version of this with that adorable misogyny is that these characters appear to be on the surface likable but hide beneath that likable that 
that glossy, likable surface of a lot of misogyny. Whereas the yeah, neckbeard, the neckbeard is just pure misogyny. Hate, right? These, okay, so so the nerd then is more like, hey, misogyny is no big deal. It's it's pretty much harmless most of the time. Right. It's but harmless the neckbeard, because the neckbeard is like fucking. They've weaponized their misogyny. Sarkeesian they've weaponized their ah. their. They're geekdom. They're the ones standing at the gate of, of gamer culture. They're the ones that are on 4chan yeah, sharing yeah. rape memes. They're, right, they're right. the ones. Have you been on 4chan? Have you fished around? Oh, on I can't handle 4chan. No, I, okay. I don't. So there. the neckbeards, <laughs> these are the guys that refer to Elliot Roger, you know, the Ila Vista yes. shooter. Yeah. They refer to him as the supreme gentleman. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, right. I knew that. These are the guys that, you know, when you look at all these other so-called incels that go out and commit violence, these are the heroes of the neckbeards. And you sure. that so I think if I think for this trope to to come into focus, better in focus, we got to shed the neckbeard. That's got to be a different trope or a that's different That's not even yeah, okay. That's, so that's not even a media trope because the media is not putting that into fictional play except as a villain. Well, you do have like the and, comic book guy in Simpsons and the and the gamer guy in South Park. Like he does a, he does appear as a character, although he is much less harmful in media than he is in real life. Right, but he's also so here, not he's also question. not portrayed as a hero. He's not in those no. situations. He's not portrayed as something to look up to or or no 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 aspire not at all. to. Oh. In fact, they're they're well the, the comic in, the comic book it, guy in South Park in particular. Is is one that I as I was thinking of, you know the the chubby comic book store yeah, guy. Yeah, that's and I'm, that's what I'm thinking of the same the same character in South and, Park. The yeah, just... he's not someone that's presented as the main lead. He's a secondary no, character, no. one that is out there. And so I don't know that that I don't think I think we can shed the neckbeard from this particular trope. That's something else. But then the, okay, so. But, and the neckbeard is often infantilized in media. So do you think, okay, so you're absolutely right that the nerd and the neckbeard, that's not, there's no and. Right. Th this is, this trope is about the nerd then. Right. So here's my, you're absolutely right about that. That's totally, that's totally tr correct. It's going to help me to focus this a lot more. Yep. So do you think then that the neckbeard is a subtrope of this because he is a form of geek? Maybe or maybe, but but it it's again this is, it would have to be because you're right. I can't put them in, on the same sort of plane. They don't function right. the same. They way don't at function all. the same way. They don't. They don't. And and the nerd, even though he is swimming in misogyny, because your other examples were um, sixteen candles. Revenge of the Nerds, in that stuff, the, the nerd or the geek, particularly in Sixteen Candles, yes, they have various misogynistic traits or whatever, but at the end, they get the girl. It, they're rewarded for their adorkable misogyny. Neckbeards are, at least so far, have not been cast as or portrayed as, presented as heroes in in. Well, I wouldn't media, think the, yeah. the nerds aren't either, right? I mean, well, nerds are always you, kind of like on the sidelines. Well, Sixteen Candles, the nerd is one of the co-leads. You have yeah, Molly Ringwald. What was his name? What was the actor's name? Cusack? Q, Q, no. no. Who's no, in no. Sixteen Candles? Um, who played the geek in Sixteen Candles? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the blonde kid. Um, Anthony Michael Hall? Yes, Anthony Michael Hall. No, the, even though they are not the primary leads, but then of course you you have to trot in Revenge of the Nerds. Well, and the, and, the, and the those characters the nerds are is that they are made protagonists when they're never protagonists. Right. Do you know what I mean? And so they have to get the girl, and that's part of what this trope is: is that you know there has to it has to be. In all of these cases that we've looked at before, the trope has to be something that somebody wants to emulate wrong and and it turns out bad right so the so whole the bait, you know the bait James and Bond, sort of thing. right and the neckbeard does not present a bait and switch situation no that's true that's true right you're right about that whereas the nerd, the nerd my, does the, the, you know act yeah. like this adorable person and you'll get the girl you sure, can still okay. be misogynistic it'll turn into thing but you'll still get the girl because but revenge of the nice nerds is about them harmless. yeah right um they also showed footage from uh, back to the future 
Right, right. right? And there's another one, the adorable misogynist, this this yeah. nerd character who, in the end, gets the girl, even though he's, you know, a creepy window peeping Tom, Tom stalker. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Yeah. And the neckbeard has absolutely zero. Right. So I, I would even shed... hint. Yeah, because when the neckbeard appears, he's angry women, you know, and There's doesn't no want anything to have anything to do with them or is right. so desperate to have something to do with him that he's angry at them. And violent towards and them. violent. Yeah. Whereas the nerd is like, girls, dirt, 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 dirt. let's look up their skirts. Yeah. Let's raid the panties. We're having fun uh, right. like big guys, you know. Yeah, right, right. Totally, right? totally. Okay. That's no, yeah. that's true. No, that, that's a good point. Because <laughs> and, and at this point, <laughs> my, Raid. Andy Raid. And listen, there's anymore? I have a certain soft spot for the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Well, of course, of course you do. Of <laughs> because course you all do. at our age, for our age group, all our faves are problematic. Of course. Oh, damn. Right. They're all, oh my God, any of those romantic rom-coms from the 80s, oh goodness. The, I the, mean, teen, right. the teen romantic comedies, especially Revenge of the Nerds. Sure. 16 Bre- Candles. Breakfast Club, 16 Breakfast Candles. Club, well, I was talking about that with Kathleen the other night. The Breakfast Some Club, kind of wonderful. all of those is probably one of the least problematics. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Out of Breakfast all Breakfast Club yeah, and, and Some Kind of Wonderful. Those two are probably the least two, least problematic of the 80s teen rom-coms. I guess some kind of wonderful mixed up with... There's 16 Candles and there's the one where they made the ending correct. Pretty in Pink. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> See, you're right there with me. You're my age. Pretty in totally Pink is the one that had Ducky, who everybody yes. thought should have been with Molly Ringwald's character right. and they sent her off with uh, the other guy. What's face? Yeah. Um, the hegemonic masculine guy. Right. Instead of her dorky friend. Um, but are dorky. But then there are all those people that'll tell you that Ducky was is problematic because he does have kind of there are some misogynistic, stalkerish type of desperate Definitely. qualities to to. Well, Ducky. I mean that's that's the center of all of our of people of our age, all of our like especially teen rom coms, but any rom coms, the center of all of them from our era of movies is. Stalking equals romance. <laughs> I mean, that's what that is. Every single one of these, like, so-called romantic... I mean... Right. God, what's the Christmas movie? Um, Love Actually? Yeah. That was, that was That was early 2000s, though. <laughs> no, I know. That was a lot later, but still. I have a soft spot for that movie, too, but... Well, you know, we all have soft spots for these movies, but if you look at them with a clear, with a clear head... But, <laughs> go wow yeah <laughs> say any say anything i mean <laughs> oh don't get no don't pick problem. on say anything don't pick on say anything i'm not picking no okay i'm gonna say this again i am not calling out these tropes in order that you need to hate this stuff i just need everyone to be clear right that when he lifts up that boombox as far as he knows, now we know better because we follow her point of view as well. We know right. that she really wants him. We know that she is sad and that it's her father that's making her reject the guy, right? right. He doesn't right, right, know right. that. All he knows is that she's told him to take off and never talk to her again. That's all he has that knows. He can't possibly know that she really wants him. <laughs> so he stands outside her window and plays the song that they lost their virginities to. Right. That's that's fucking creepy. I'm sorry. And it's completely romantic and I love it and it's great. But do you know what I'm saying? So like, it's really not right. okay. <laughs> and I love it. And so, you know. Okay. So I guess at this some point what we need to do is at least for the uh, the audience since there is no essay to go back to. Um define for them hegemonic masculinity and hypermasculinity because that really comes into play in 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 this one when we're talking about the nerd the nerd yeah especially that um do you okay so i have have a question for you before i define those two terms do you feel like um i I noticed that you repeated this a couple times and i wasn't really thinking of this as an essential part of this trope Uh do you feel like the the nerd pursuing the girl and you know playing all the tricks he needs to play Mm -hmm. to get the girl do you think that getting the girl in the end is essential to this trope i think so i think so because you know, despite, because the whole point about, particularly when you look at um, 
at that adorable misogyny thing. It's all the thing that sets Raj apart from the other guys in the Big Bang Theory is that he never gets the girl. He's gayer, yeah. Right. Um, Revenge of the Nerds. All of the guys that are straight in that fraternity of nerds get girls at the end. Right. right. 16 Candles. Um, when they wake up in the morning, when the geek wakes up with the cheerleader in the morning, she likes him. She's sober, yeah. a bit hungover, but sober, and she kisses him. He gets the yeah. girl. Yay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Um, say anything. He gets right. the girl. Yes. Um, because of persistence. Right. Well, let's go even to the least problematic of our favorite ones that we've mentioned so far. Some kind of wonderful, <laughs> which uh -huh. I love because I love Mary Stuart Masterson. She of course. She is wonderful. I just love her in general. And I have a thing for redheads, so I love Eric Stoltz. So there we go. So, but <laughs> Eric Stoltz in that is technically a nerd. He's an art right. nerd. Not quite oh, the, the pocket protector automatically geek thing. <laughs> but what's interesting is you, you actually have two different styles of hegemonic hype slash hyper masculinity in that movie. So you have... Should um, I define those terms really quick? Yep. But hold, but pin that because right. I want you to then go on right after I do that. So, okay. so hegemonic masculinity is the unattainable ideal of the stereotypical male. Right. So basically I've covered a lot of what those, what that is in my first few tropes. Mm -hmm. So big muscular jock, not sensitive, you know, really, really dude bro-y. So all of that unattainable, this this unattainable ideal of stereotypical masculinity, that's what right. hegemonic masculinity James is. Bond is the ideal hegemonic masculine yeah, ideal. basically, yeah. And hypermasculinity refers to a series of behaviors that a man will try to do in order to achieve that unachievable hegemonic right. masculine ideal. Right. So the hypermasculinity is all of the ways that a man will perform his masculinity in an attempt to achieve the hegemonic ideal. ideal. Right. Is that pretty much yep. making sense? That makes okay. sense to me. Sweet. So then go on about some kind of wonderful that was some kind of wonderful. Eric Stoltz is is the nerd in here. He's an art nerd. Uh -huh. he, and he is he is sensitive. He's he's he there's no. Um, well, being into arts is something that's not considered part of the hegemonic masculine right. ideal. And <laughs> so there's there and he has no stalkerish characteristics. He doesn't do anything stalkerish. He does not have any um, hints or suggestions of, of sexual assault. Which is really surprising for a movie of that era, isn't it? Right. He's not aggressive. So here you have Stoltz is playing this sub-male character. He's a geek. He's right. a nerd. He's an art nerd. He's a redhead. Right. And <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Paul. And you have, you have the, uh, the James Spader character who has the girl that he wants. And treats yes. her like shit. He's a misogynist. Right. You can tell it. He's yeah. in, and he is doing um, hyper masculinity. He is performing a certain style of masculinity. He is he is manipulating. He's abusive. He's dominant of this of what's her name? What's her face? I can't remember the actress's name. Cute pixie haircut. Yeah. All your listeners are like blah blah blah, blah, blah. their phones right now. Right. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get up. Let me get up to some kind of wonderful page here i could just go get my dvd some kind of wonderful issues. that's my little like you know when you put on hold you get the music right some kind well, so we're keeping we're keeping the audience issues. in such suspense come on internet anyway um we're gonna make up the fact that it's only two of us now my god i know it's just our chemistry jason i know and nobody else to fill in these <laughs> gaps when we can't remember shit we should I remember know. Because we're old and... Or to have intellectual monologues that bring us back to topic. Anyway, so you have you have James Spader's character who's performing one type of, of, of hyper-masculinity. Yes. And the sub... Your sub guy, your nerd, um, you know who he gets help from is... And I can't remember that other actor's name, but... Duncan is the character's name. You know, oh. He's shaved head. He's the and he's and his version of hyper masculinity is that you know leather jacket wearing shaved right. head violent Tough character guy, bad who's, boy. who's really actually kind of sensitive. 
Right. And right. whose dad yep. is a security guard at a museum. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is fucking awesome. Okay. And, I didn't see this movie again, by the way. Just. And so this is, so what you have is you have somebody, Stoltz's character, who is a nerd, who is navigating between two versions of hyper-masculinity. Right. One of them creepily sensitive, even though they've got the leather jacket and the knife and are always in detention. And the other one, the socially acceptable rich boy version of hypermasculinity. He's navigating the two of those to get the girl. But the girl in the end says, oh, wait a minute. I just be, you know, this doesn't work for anything. I'd rather stand on my own. And that's when he realizes that, oh, the nerd girl is his all along. Right. Right. Yes. So that's why I find it, you know, so you, I think some kind of wonderful might actually be this an uh, uh, uh the same era antidote the same era antidote to to all of the 80s you know nerd tropes. tale of the nerd tropes um yeah the victorious nerd maybe that's what we call this or the uh, the uh, the sexy nerd or the, the I do uh, like a dorkable misogynist but I didn't make that up so I have to call it something else you have to call it something else because and also also it's a bit different because the adorable but misogynist is is really a description of a style of hypermasculinity of hypermasculinity presented of a, of attempting to attain hypermasculinity. Whereas True, it's one of, it's one of many behaviors. Whereas that a, a, the tr- a trope implies there's a, there's also a story arc or some yeah. type of thing applied to it. You know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. But yes, I would just like to say how much I love some kind of wonderful. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I need to see it again. I think it's actually been since that era since I've seen it, actually. Really? Yeah, which is really sad. I just saw John Wick 3 the other day. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Okay, that has nothing to do with this trope. Leah Thompson, for fuck's sake. Leah Leah Thompson. Thompson. Thank you. Okay, right. Thank you. Yes, indeed. And Duncan was um, Elias Codius. That's right. Yeah. I mean, okay, so here's a question for you. Do you remember the, um, oh, yeah, oh my god, I need to see this movie again. So, do you remember the, um, Val Kilmer remake? I think it was a 90s remake, late 90s, I believe, of The Saint, mm-hmm. the old TV show. Right. So, in that case, what, <gasps> what is happening with The Saint? What? Don't quit. I'll put a pin in that. You, you just like are freaking out though. Right. Because one of the best, one of the best movies to fit into this trope, I think we've both overlooked and not done anything with. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so, let, so, so tell me that and then I'll put a pin in the saint and I'll tell you why I think of the saint. So go ahead. Um, although it might actually be more of a, uh, of an antidote trope to it. Oh, real genius. Real genius is totally because you mentioned Val Kilmer, yeah, and and I'm trying to, but I'm trying to think because one of the nerds that a weird science too. I just made me think of weird. Well, weird science got mentioned in the adorable misogyny. It did, yeah. But real genius didn't get mentioned in anything, and we've kind of forgot about it. But I don't know that real genius has the nerds being misogynistic because one of the nerds in that trio is a woman, and they aren't putting each other down. I have to watch it again. Yeah. They're not, they're not like competing. They're not all, any of them perform. I mean, no, just no, because it's, it's a female doesn't mean she's not still performing hyper masculinity. It's I a know, totally isolated um, nerd cast. There is no jock or, or hyper masculine thing that they're competing against. Okay. Their, I need to see their professor is just a, uh, well, I guess the professor is a bit of a hyper masculine nerd, but he's still a nerd. There's nobody in that thing that, really oh yeah well that's a good point huh and because a lot of the a lot of the breakthroughs that the group has come from the woman not the two nerd characters val right. kimmer and then okay. the other guy who's the uh you know the uh, uh child prodigy basically right right okay i need to look at that again yeah that's but that's not to say that you know a lot of the stuff that we've we have we've identified doesn't actually exist out in the world as depictions of of nerds. Well, the em- reason I em- thought of embracing this... certain styles of hypermasculinity in order to get the girl. 
And I really did also, I was pretty affected by the, the analysis of, of Big Bang Theory too, because just watching all of the, the intense homophobia and the intense anti-feminine right. um, attitudes and the, the very intense bullying that the nerds would all give to each other. Like if any mm-hmm. one of them showed any like speck of sensitivity or, you know, they, they'd make them dress in women's clothing as punishment and all that kind of stuff. Like that's pretty, that's very intense to me. And I can see that happening in a, I can see that reflecting back and forth between real life hazing organizations and, mm-hmm. and the the nerd the nerd misogynist but the reason i brought up the saint the was saint. because it seems to me that i mean at least in the movie there's just one particular plot uh you know dramatic build with a one plot i'm mm-hmm. not talking about the, the tv show because there's it's impossible to that's a serial but the movie he so the val kilmer the saint character he's a thief and he's very he, he puts on various personae to to be able to steal whatever he wants to be able to get what he wants. He becomes whatever he needs to become. And so in this case, he becomes a very sensitive, artistic, um, not a nerd, like stereotype Mm -hmm. nerd character, but he definitely takes on some of the nerd characteristics, which is being very sensitive, which is being very artistic, which is being more interested in intelligence and, it's like the arts and musical right. sensitivity and things like that. He he's puts being that effete. on. He's being effete, yes. Effete and a little bit effeminate, just enough to make him interesting to the main character, who's mm-hmm. a woman who he's trying to seduce so he can steal a specific thing that she has. Right. So what he is doing in this this character in particular, this character is seeing ways to weaponize this nerd character right so ways to become sub male in some ways in order to get what he wants he knows he can't posture and pose and and be a a dude bro in order to get close to this woman right he knows he has to do other other things to get close to her so it's almost like he very particularly weaponizes this particular nerd Mm -hmm. sort of sub male character in order to get close to her to get what he wants and then she feels utterly betrayed, of course, when she finds out. Spoiler alert. Okay, it's a very old movie, but still. <laughs> um, so I find that to be interesting, too. So that's not just right. the, the men who are intrinsically nerds, and that's just who they are. Mm-hmm. It's also possible to take on these attributes and weaponize them, especially when it's a to-get-the-girl kind of situation, like you're saying. Right, because really, one of the one of the things that, that the trope that you've notified identified in here and, and that the notes talked about and what was talked about in, in the adorable misology misogyny video is, and this is why of the other tropes, this has to have a, a story arc. Why I asked that original question, you know, tale of the, of the, of a weak sub male who does what he gets the girl, he gets the girl by subterfuge, gotcha. by deceit, yeah. because he, because ha- that's, the only way he can achieve cuz the woman even and the more attractive the woman the more the prize sure. the more the more that woman becomes a symbol of that person's you know Prowess. attainment ability to to live up to the hypermasculine hegemonic masculine trait right. by is by achieving the girl so that has to be part of the trope because one of the things that the trope points out that was pointed out in the notes as well is those those instances where we talk about sexual assault which brought up the idea of the bed trick yeah yeah the bed right? trick now this is where that is is problematic to me um in a, in a very broad deep sense right because invariably the the woman that the nerd desires in these in these stories is not one who should be desired does that make sense no um because because in a lot of these movies the the comedy comes in from her being out of his league right out of his league i fucking hate that i know i fucking hate it too but that's like that's where the comedy comes in right but exactly well exactly you know um no, that's this is something that, that was pointed out to me. So they, yes, there's the bed trick that's going on and stuff like this, but that does not. So, for instance, in 16 Candles, 
part of the reason that the nerd that the geek gets away with his supposed sexual assault of of Jake's girlfriend that he wants to get rid of is that she is unlikable. See, I think that, but I think that her social status as a cheerleader makes her an, an ultimately desirable. Makes, well, makes it makes her desirable as a as a as a trophy. Yes. Even though as a person she is not likable. Oh, oh, right. No. See what I'm saying? Nobody's likable though in this. Any and and the and the same thing with um, the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Right. Um, Carradine's character goes after the uh, the, pro- the you know the girlfriend of the quarterback. She's, yes, who's the prime desire? Desirable. Right. She's character. the head cheerleader. So therefore, in in the cultural structure of hegemonic masculinity, she is the most desirable woman. But the character in the show is not a likable person. Right. Now, that seems as if I'm stepping towards a justification. His his deceit in both care in both Sixteen Candles and Revenge of the Nerds, the deceit to get into her pants is 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 justified. It's not. But I'm also sitting there looking at this old classic, you know, literary trope of the bed trick. Yeah. And so if the nerd's goal is to obtain a status symbol to yes. to reflect his masculinity. Right, well put. And the 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 trophy that he has to achieve is is only a, a shallow trophy. Right? And well, I don't think it is though, because we're talking about trying to be like we're talking about social hierarchies. So as far as these characters are concerned, that's not it's not shallow. It's that's like the ultimate well, that's the, the thing. achievement. But in both cases well at not in Sixteen Candles, but in Revenge of the Nerds, he grabs the mask and follows her in, and she initiates, thinking it's her quarterback boyfriend. Yeah, thinking it's her boyfriend. And, and doesn't realize doesn't realize that it's Carradine's nerd character until he gets done performing Cunnilingus. Right. And there's a part of me that thinks... Okay, on one hand, yes, sexual assault. You know, she's she is consenting to sex with someone she doesn't realize she's consenting to sex with. And and that's therefore she's not consenting to therefore sex. Therefore she's with that not person. consenting to sex with that person. Okay, I understand the logic behind that. Right? And we're supposed to cheer for the nerd. Oh, yeah, nice job, man. Because he would never but, have been able to get his face between her legs in any other way. Any right? other way, except through a, a classic literary device of the bed trick. Right. Now, in the, in the device of the bed trick, as we talked about before, it's always about some lecherous dude who has made a commitment to one woman and has decided to throw her off and pursue another woman. And so when and so to resolve that situation, his his him being dishonorable. Yeah. They say, okay, fine, you can have sex with the woman you desire. He's like, yay, and jumps in bed and bangs the woman that's there. But it's really the woman he was committed to originally. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about with the nerd trope, though. But in the case, at least of of what I'm saying is, we have to be kind of careful, or maybe we don't. Maybe we just need to call it assault. But there's why wouldn't we? I mean, in this particular trope, there there all there's all kind of, like the old literary bed trick is a little different. It, for this for this character trope, it's it seems like yes. I mean, I can understand that because we have we have a set up a, a character at this point. Who has not shown himself to actually be honorable or worthy, right? He's a he's been a he's not a he's real been man. Doing, he's been do, no, he's been doing the adorable misogyny thing. He's yeah. he's presenting as the better option, but not actually the better option because he's still a right. misogynist. Yeah, and he's a sub male, which means he doesn't get away. I mean, but he's a but, nice but guy. What, so what if? What if? Let's just flip this thing on on its head just a little bit. Let's say that we that this situation, the let's just take that scene in the in the waterbed room in Revenge of the Nerds, oh, right? Okay. 
what if up leading up to that situation um Carradine's character had been a legitimately good guy pro feminist you know stand up not a misogynist whatever he somehow ends up in this room with that cheerleader who thinks he's someone else mm-hmm. right and he goes down on her and then when he's done and she's had her orgasm or whatever and he pops up and she's like you're, you're that, that nerd. nerd and then she's like all right cool <laughs> is that then not sexual assault because she's like Oh, no. she ends up with the guy no, that still is. But is it if she if it if is. it in a legal sense, but also isn't there are two parties involved there? There's two ways of perceiving no, because it. she didn't know it was she didn't know she didn't give consent. Right. She did not know it was. But he yeah. was really good. And she did like, I would like that again. That that's different. That's what, but that's chooses. what but that's what happens in the movie. He does the thing. I know. Even though he's a despicable person, he's really good at the thing and she's like, "Oh, I guess I do like you." Well, this is a this is a problem with writing women characters too. Well, it's a, it's a problem it's a problem with with this trope thing in general. It's yeah. a problem with the way society views consent. What that is, is, you know, pursue her until she says yes. If she says no, she doesn't mean no. That's why I would continue to say, no, it is still assault. <laughs> and, in, and, in, and, in, and in this case of Revenge of the Nerds, it's eat her pussy until she says yes. <laughs> right. It's, it's like kiss, kiss whichever pair of lips <laughs> until she likes it. Right. But doesn't I'm, matter which pair. So, I mean, on one hand, I understand completely. Yes, you know... So here we're, deceit, I, I would say we're, we're talking about a plot trope as well, which is the right. which is the pursue her till she says yeah, no means yes, and well, and we're also talking about um, the bed trick, and this is yeah. this is a, a a different version of a bed trick, which sure. is a swapping of one sexual partner for another, unbeknownst right. without, to without one of the partner's knowledge. Right, so it yeah. is still a bed trick. It's not. Yes. It's not the same setup as the the traditional Shakespearean Renaissance bed trick, but it's still right, a bed right. trick. Yes. And that's where, that's where 16 candles is really legitimately problematic because it's not, there's no bed trick involved. Right. Uh, right. That's true. Yeah. Yep. She gets drunk, passes out. That's just here. And, take my girlfriend. And Jake is here. Take my girlfriend, <laughs> do whatever you want to her. <laughs> I could do anything I want to her right now, but I don't want to. Yeah. Right. 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 Since you're a nerd and you can't get sex any other way, here you go. Here you go. Have my have my slutty cheerleader demanding girlfriend. Have my passed out girlfriend because that's with, the only way. With the back of her hair chopped off and and yeah. pose for some pictures with your friends. I'm still not. I would have to go back and watch Sixteen Candles, but I'm still I'm still not entirely convinced that they had sex. I think they just t- posed for the pictures and then that was kind of the extent of it. He you didn't know what? Act- I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. that part. I remember a lot of the Molly Ringwald stuff, but I don't remember that part. I, I, my recollection is that, that they did, well, they, he did. I think there's a strong (laughs) implication that they did, but I don't know that, that it's actually explicitly. No, it's, um, it's implicit. It's not explicit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. So I would agree. I would agree that we need to excise the neck, neck beard. I think you're totally right. I think that's not, that doesn't belong. At least not side by side with the nerd. That's a completely right. different thing. And I am starting to see what you mean that this nerd trope needs to have a using tricks to get the girl. That that's right. part of this trope. And the misogyny has everything to do with that as well. And the homophobicness right. and the and right. the anti-feminist And you're dead stuff. right on, on putting the whole ideas of hegemonic and hypermasculinity into that thing because that's what's driving the yeah. nerd to use his intelligence to trick the woman into yes and the way and the way he's trying to to perform his masculinity as as in direct contrast though with the hegemonic masculine characters that are usually in his movie too like we usually get the it's usually comedy 
and the comedy comes with the contrast of this this sub male as compared to the ultimate male, the hyper male. So all of that has are all facets of this this particular trope. Now, I know you want to keep things even and balanced. Seven problematic badass female tropes. Seven toxic masculinity tropes. Seven is a magic number. But. I mean, where's you, the butt? Where's the butt? Where's the butt? <laughs> it's in my chair. Um, oh. I don't want. I mean, maybe the neckbeard could be a a subcategory of this, or a subtrope, or a or a cancer. Let's let's have a trope with a cancer. Because oh. because instead of a branch, it's a it's instead a of a branch, polyp. it's a it's a tumor. Oh, I like tumor. that idea. This is a this is a it's tro- not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> not a tumor. Oh, I like that idea. I like that idea because right. we're talking because, about we're talking about antidotes to the tropes. Right. Why we, not like cancerous versions too? And of course there is because that's kind of what the neckbeard is. It's the way. Well, in one of my notes, what did I say? What did you say? I said the neckbeard is a less smart dungeon dweller, may or may not be hyper intelligent, and may or may not have um, right wing political views. Because oh, when you get into the manosphere, is way more directly angry though. Too yes, that's the thing. the the yeah. the the neckbeard is directly angry at women. Um, they feel the they've been trying to trying to play the game still. Right, the nerd's trying to play the game. He's try he. He, even though he's misogynistic, even though he has misogynistic tendencies, even though he's trying to live up and be, he's trying through his, the ways that he is capable of being hypermasculine, trying to still be appealing to women. Whereas the neckbeard is, they, they are openly aggressive, openly violent, openly disdainful, aggressively, almost violently misogynistic. And the, the neckbeard is, is, is the top. Okay. So the, this nerd trope is, is toxic in what it forces men to do. But see, the nerd is someone who is, is toxic kind of by accident. They're they're toxic because of their desire to achieve something. They're toxic, yeah. They're toxic in their in their hyper masculinity because they're trying so hard to perform right. their masculinity that they end up being toxic about it. Right, right. Whereas the the neckbeard is purposefully neckbeard is, they're embracing toxicity. They are they are using that toxicity as a means to to justify their hatred. But to, I think that the nerd does too, though. Well, the, like I said, the nerd wants to appeal. the The neckbeard does the not to want appeal. to appeal. Okay, you're right. You're right. And if the neckbeard does want to appeal, it's it's already it's so far gone. If that the, it's, if the yeah. neckbeard is trying to uh, trying to make themselves appealing to women, they're automatically labeled a beta. Oh, right, a soy boy. Right. So. That's got to be That's the difference really between point. these two, because yeah. the neckbeard is like, I'm perfect as I am. Why don't women like me? That was the whole basis behind Elliot Rogers' right. violence. Okay, right. Was that, right. And that's why they call him the Supreme Gentleman, because he behaved well in round women. It's all their fault. It's all their fault, so I'm going to kill him. Whereas because the nerd they aren't is fucking like me. trying to change himself, and and they and they put down right. others, other nerds that are that appear more feminine right. or whatever. In an attempt they to attempt climb that to, ladder, they attempt they're to, attempting to climb the ladder into the hypermasculine. Right, right. The nerds Whereas are attempting the, to use the system to get. They're attempting to operate within the system. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the, the neckbeard neck is like going, "Fuck you! I'm already there. I'm already fine. Why don't you yeah. like me?" Yeah. Okay. And, That's absolutely true. You're totally right about that. And I'm and the only and well. Oh, aren't you? I'm so glad I'm talking about this with you. This the, is making everything. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. And, the, and you know this this one's going to be a lot more serious than our previous ones on some of this stuff because the thing is is that some of the ideas one of the things that one of the things that absolutely stunned me and shocked me that that rattled me 
when when the Elliot Roger thing happened in Illa Vista mm-hmm. yeah. was that there were echoes in his manifesto that sounded like me in my late twenties. Wow, really? And you know, it was like you know so I grew up kind of I'm all I've always been this hypersensitive, hyper aware boy. And I grew up aware of and this is why I was so fascinated by um my enemy, my love, when I started doing my own research for this thing, the, uh-huh. the man-hating and ambivalence in women's lives, is that I was very aware of and sensitive to this, this misandry that was coming, mm-hmm. that women were, because, they, because women exist in a patriarchal system and because they know and are aware that, the, that power is in an imbalance, right. they have to cultivate a certain kind of man-hating in order to... Well, to survive. To survive within that patriarchal structure. So men are inept in the home. Men are all only concerned about sex. They're brutes. We'll they're abandoners. They're, they're all this other stuff. All of those mm-hmm. things are, are ways of hating men to, to kind of undercut and make sure that their power does not seem so oppressive, even as they're oppressing these women. That's kind of the way misandry works. And that's why it's something that we don't always talk about or have a language to talk about. It's a, it's a direct sort of counter to misogyny, right? Right, right. But it's a way of allowing women to operate within a patriarchal system and not go fucking crazy. So, but I was as a boy being always more friendly and acceptable to women was a, was very aware of, of that misandry, of that hatred of men. And I took it sure. to heart and I was like, okay, so, you know, I, I learned very early on, don't touch a woman unless she wants you to, you know, don't, don't be stalkerish. Don't do this. Don't do all that other stuff. Don't, you know, basically when what I learned, <laughs> basically what I learned though, was, was an extreme version of it, which is don't let women know you're interested in that all because they will just think you're a sex obsessed douchebag right so then, then how do you and then i would sit around and wonder if, yeah why don't women seem to be interested in me well it's because i had become so good at not being appearing to not be interested in women sure and so there was a period sure. in my 20s where i hadn't become aware of that yet and so it's like when i i'm not rapey i'm not assaulty i'm not lecherous i'm not stalkery i'm not i'm not all of these horrible things i've heard about men being why don't women like me well, it wasn't until I got a little bit older, but it's, oh, it's because you act like you don't like women. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. When, and Which is a total catch-22, right, in this patriarchal oh, yeah. society. It's right. like completely catch-22. Because you, you're also, your, your boy self is also right, too. Like, how right. do you flirt with someone? Right, in this case? Where, do you, where, is, where is that line Yeah. between, yeah. you know, um... How do you come on to a woman then in that case? Yeah, without being um, assaulty. How do you, where's the line? It's, it's hard right. to tell sometimes because. Well, that's what we were saying the other day too, that, that there's going to be a pendulum swing that's going to be right. really difficult when to deal does, with. When does asserting your interest in someone become aggressively demanding their attention? <laughs> sure, exactly. Where's, when does that cross? And right particularly in a patriarchal society, if you're trying to be sensitive to, to what women have to endure, oh, that's a really vague, broad, weird line to try to navigate. Right, yeah, how do you, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, there's that kind of, to me what that says is that when you, this is why the bed trick thing is, is such a sticking point for me with this trope. Uh-huh, right, right. okay. Because... Uh, and and whether I find that or not to be interesting, but not super pivotal. I think you're right about the getting the girl bit. Be, well, and that's that's the thing though is that you know, as a sub male, because at, in Revenge of the Nerds we also have a, a counter to that because the Carradine character right. goes after the cheerleader, but Anthony Edwards' character goes after a nerd girl, mm-hmm. and he gets her through a different means. Right, he is right. not using trickery to get her. He's just straight up gets her because of who he is. It's because she's part of the same cast. Right, 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 right. And 
social class, whatever. Right. And so, but the dynamic between Carradine's character and the cheerleader is different. Here you have, and this is why, this is why that the difference between sexual assault and a bed trick is kind of something that I'm, I'm pivoting around here. Not because I am trying to diminish sexual assault or its, or its thing, but you have a character striving to be taken seriously in a world that does not take him seriously because of his glasses, his scrawny nature, all this other stuff, who desires something that society has told him should be desired. And so he uses his intelligence, the, th the one thing that he has in abundance, to get himself into an opportunity where he can prove to this thing that he desires the most, that he is worthy of her attention. Well, the, th the fact that you're using the word thing is really telling, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, because to me... Because that, that's exactly what he is being taught. He, you're right. right. He is being taught and this thing. This right. is a she thing. is a like, thing. She yeah, is a exactly. status symbol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's not a person. She's... And, and if you look at her character as she's presented in that movie, she's not really an appealing person. Well, she's not a person in that movie. She's not she's a, a person. She's a thing. So she, she's, she only cute. has to be appealing because of the way she looks, which is a function of patriarchy well, and, and, her so, and so on and her so social forth. status. And her social status. Yeah. So within the confines of that, in order to prove his, his worth... You see, you see where I'm at? It's like, here's it's the still assault. It's still yeah. assault. And that, but that's why that's part of this trope. And that's why the trope right. is problematic because that is a part of it. And, and that is something he has to do to prove it. Like exactly what you're saying. It, totally. Absolutely agreed. Right. But I am also saying that the bed trick in this case is assault and that he does use his intelligence to get the thing that he is being taught that he needs to have in order to be a real man. Right. So in order to be a real man, this right. nerd has to commit sexual assault. And that's what and makes that's this trope toxic. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Totally. Solve another cultural problem. <laughs> Thank you. Drunk on beer Jason wine. And Jen. <laughs> Solving more cultural issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only yeah. everyone just listened to our podcast. They would totally be fine. <laughs> We'd solve global warming. We'd get Trump out of the White House. Man, everything would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> No, totally. And that's a great, like, conclusion, too. You're absolutely right about that. I am. But, but, what? The, the conclusion, that's a great way to tie it up. Because you're wondering about the oh. difference between the bed switch and the sexual assault. I'm saying there isn't one, but your description of what that nerd had to go through and what, what he's being taught and why and the whole trophy idea and like yes right. that's totally part of this whole and that and you're right that is exactly what makes it toxic that's what i mean by you're the way right. the way patriarchy and whatever puts the demands upon the person to live up to the hegemonic idea of masculinity he has which to, is not something you can live up to no one can and so this is what he resorts to do we have a trope that has to do with just big penises I think Go Big or Go Home has a little bit to do with that. Well, we did not talk enough about it then. We didn't talk enough about big penises, but I do talk about it in the article. I, I mentioned it as part of the whole you need to be very, very big, and there's the whole thing about um, uh, penis size, penis size uh, paranoia, and and I have a whole other article that I want to write. I think, I think, when, I think when you do the Go the Big or Go Home and you get to the penis thing, you really need to go big. <laughs> Or go home. <laughs> Just go big. Just go big. Well, and, and I ha actually mentioned this too, which I actually want to write an, an entire another article about the whole comedy of the kicking of the nuts. Mm. Mm, and mm. just how a pop culture detective does another thing that's a little bit heavier and harder, harder to watch. It's about um, the use of sexual assault against men as comedy. Oh. Um, so oh. It's, a, it's actually a really, really great video but it's a little bit hard to watch just because but it talks about that 
And so I, I have this article idea called Where Have All the Nut Kicks Gone? Which is about how the, ch- which is the change, <laughs> <laughs> which is the change in attitude towards groin kicks as comedy, as slapstick comedy, you know? Right. And it's kind of sort of changed. And actually, Paul and I were talking about this um, recently about ever since the sort of absurd, absurdist sort of almost Dada comedy of um, Big Lebowski the whole like castration fear and all that kind of stuff like this right. all this amazing amazing cool shit to talk about about that but that's where the big penis part comes in i would say is through the go big or go home the big penis part is part of that right. you need to be big everywhere if you're a big dude with muscles with a tiny dick then that's that's funny and that's not man enough well that's what happens when you take too everywhere. many steroids is you're big well, everywhere you know, but your dick gets and, that's reality and- how can you tie all of that stuff about the nut kick into Idiocracy, which the longest right. running show on in the world of Idiocracy was Al My Balls? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. What I don't know. That? That's something – that's another cultural thing that I am very interested to delve into as it were. But Idiocracy yeah. or Al My Balls? <laughs> Just <laughs> <or> both. <laughs> Where have all the nut kicks gone? Where have all the ow my balls? <laughs> yeah. Cock puncher. Remember the cock puncher trailer? Yeah, you showed me the trailer. I showed this. I saw the trailer. I, show the trailer. I love cock puncher. <laughs> I showed it. I showed it. I showed it to my students. They were like, "Okay, a what movie is this from? And B, please tell me this is a real movie." I'm like, I wish. <laughs> I really wish cock puncher were real. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how that's how Machete got made. Was that they machete, they did the right. they did the trailer for uh, that Grindhouse thing? Yeah, and they were gr- like, yeah. "That has to be a movie," and so oh they went God, out and made machete. it. Machete, yep, exactly. Yep. But anyway, so okay. The that's thing, a whole, the that's thing a is other. the thing, and we've figured out the trope. We've ironed out. We've we've shed the neck beard yes. as a as a as a cancer. Shave your neck. Shave your neck. Get the fuck out of your mom's basement. Quit, quit standing there in public, waving a, 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 a Nazi flag and wearing a swastika, looking at liberals going, I'm not the Nazi, you're not the, you're the Nazi, which yeah, is basically you know what? what Dinesh D'Souza did the other day. Did you see his fucking goddamn trope oh, thing he tried to yes, put on the thing? He I paired, did. he paired, you know, Greta Thunberg to the Nazi propaganda poster. And I was I like, oh. and, she, and she's just like, really? Even she's just like, uh, you know what? Yeah, and because he wrote that whole, he, it wasn't D'Souza, it was some other fucking douche nozzle that wrote some book saying that uh, that Nazism was actually a leftist political ideal. And it's like, really? You think that because National Socialist Party of Germany had socialist in it, it's therefore a leftist ideal just because socialism's on the left, then I guess you think buffaloes really do have wings? <laughs> All right, we're done. Goodbye, everybody. Be sure to get the wings off the buffaloes. The Outrider Podcast is orchestrated by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and audio production magic is performed by Heather Ann Eden. You can find the show online at jquinnmalott.com, and if you would, please hop on iTunes and give us a rating. We'll be back later in 2020 with more miniseries, live shows, and one-on-one conversations with writers, editors, and publishers. Thanks for listening.